pleasure this evening to introduce to you Daniel Strickland and also Christine, who have come over from Edmonton in Canada to spend some time here. I have just spent the last kind of two days with um, Danielle. She was speaking at a conference for women leaders in the church. There were loads of vicars there, I can tell you, and they were hanging on Danielle's words. I got the last laugh because I was sitting there eating food with them and I go, yeah, Daniel's coming back with me, actually. She's going to speak to me all the day. How did you do that? <laughs> so I'm glad I did. And um, so, Daniel, many things to say about you, but what I'd really just say is that you shine for Jesus yeah. and we just love that. Yeah. And that you're a kind of a leader, a leader of men and women, but I just feel you're a real leader of women mm. and power of women. And you kind of go over the top, mm. and you, but you say, come on, you can come too. And you're just an empower. So I'd just like to pray for you tonight sure. and you. Um, just let you go. So, mm. Father, I just thank you for Danielle. I thank you for the ministry you've given her mm. and the words of power that she speaks for her, Lord for her love for you, and I just pray now that you would anoint her and fill her and speak to her, change her direction, you want, you want to, Lord, just that uh, she would be released to be your servant to bring this message here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Sarah. It's wonderful to be with you guys. I was uh, telling the prayer team that... Um, I spent as much time in Stratford as I think I did in high school. <laughs> it was a really quick tour. <laughs> it was about as much of Shakespeare as I did in high school as well. So I felt like it was a proper... Is this okay uh, sound-wise? Are you okay? You're hearing all right? Great. So anyway, it's fantastic to be with you guys. I'm a big fan of Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but like I'm a big uh, fan of who he is and what he did and what he's like and what he's doing still. And uh, I'm excited to, to be here because I think Jesus is here and wants to do some stuff tonight. And so I'm just a fan. So if you're a fan, and then actually I was sitting at the front because I didn't want to be distracted by your beauty because you're all so very good looking. Gosh, jolly G or whatever you say. So uh, <laughs> gee, golly, bless. Okay, so uh, just turn to the person beside you and say, you know, she's, she's onto something. You are quite good looking. Just <laughs> I've been uh, I've been growing in my understanding of the bigness of God and the boundless redemption plan He has for the world. The Lord's just been like I, I thought when I met uh, Jesus, He was pretty big, but I, He's just kind of getting bigger. Uh, have you ever spent some time with somebody? I know I have a, a friend who I used to sort of just like Whoa, admire and stuff, and it was always a little bit hard to, to get too close because you were like a little scared. And then I was a little bit, I got a, a chance to spend a lot of time with her, and I was a little bit scared to spend a lot of time with her because I thought maybe her awesomeness would like just become normal. Do you know what I mean? And I just be like, mm. and uh, But actually what happened was the more time I spent with her, the more awesome she was. You know, and I just was like, oh, she's awesome to the core, you know, like you're just like, and you're, and you're just kind of relieved because you think sometimes things seem too good to be true, don't they? Sometimes you just think that can't be true. And the same thing happened with me and Jesus. Like when I first met Jesus, I thought it was too good to be true. I thought the whole grace thing, there's a trick somewhere, you know? I thought just the graciousness of God, the love and the kindness that he has, the love that just like loved me no matter what, my behavior, you know? I just thought somewhere there was gonna be like a except when I do, you know, whatever. And it just never came, actually. The more I've explored who Jesus is and what his kingdom's like, the more amazed I am that he is awesome to the core, right? And so I just, I really come as a witness to the goodness and the grace of Jesus. And I wanted to just kind of explore with you a little bit of that, if that's okay tonight, where we can just kind of explore and remind ourselves about when we talk about God and when we mention Jesus, what exactly we're talking about. And God's been graciously reminding me of these things lately. 
So Ephesians chapter 3, I'm just going to read you some verses. They're a prayer that the Apostle Paul is uh, praying really for the church and for us. And I pray it all the time, but I was praying it specifically for you guys tonight. So when I think of all this, all of who God is and all the bigness of Jesus, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources... Somebody say amen just to that. Do you get this here? His glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete. Just turn to somebody beside you and say, complete. See, I, I like testing women because you guys can never say one word to each other. It's, just, it's impossible. I just, I just told you that just to see. It's a test I'm doing around the world. I've never done a women's conference where someone can say one word to another woman. Never happen. It'll be a sign and a wonder if ever it happens. I'm telling you, it's awesome. You guys are amazing. I love women. I like men too. You know, just, I'm just saying, <clears throat> just to be clear. Okay, then... You will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who's able through his mighty power at work within us. Now all glory to God who's able through his mighty power at work within us. Good thing you're good looking. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even think. Glory to him. So... This all started for me about a year and a half, two years ago. I was trying to give my son Judah, he was two and a half at the time, um, I was trying to give him some medicine. And my son's favorite words at the time were, no way. He said them in succession and all the time, no way. And so I was, he had an ear infection, so I was thinking, Judah, man, I got to get some medicine in you, you know, kind of thing. He's like, no way, I don't do medicine, you know? He's a bit like his dad that way. Uh, he thinks denial and faith are the same thing. But anyway, so he, he said, uh, no way. So I went to the doctor. I said, look, you're going to have to make this one good, because my son doesn't like medicine. She goes, I got just the thing. I got banana-flavored liquid medicine. And she gave me one of those syringe things, you know? So I come home with this banana-flavored medicine, and I'm like, Judah, man monkeys love this stuff, you know, because he likes animals. So my son, Zion, he's 11, and I were like going around the room as you do, and he's pretending to be a monkey, and I'm like, hmm, and he's like, hmm, it's delicious, you know, and I was like, give me some, and we're like trying to convince this kid that this is a good thing, you know, and Judah just looks at us like we're idiots, which of course we're not, just because we're making monkey sounds and things doesn't make us silly, and so uh, he looks at us, and he just goes, no way. And we're like, okay, forget the monkeys. So then I pretend to be a lion because he really likes lions because he's named Judah. Go figure. And so we're like, Rawr! and I'm like trying to eat the monkey who eats the stuff. That's how good this medicine is. And I'm just like, you know, like lions, they dig this. They're like the king of the jungle because they eat this banana flavored medicine. You know, like that's what makes them amazing. And Judah's just like, no way. So I did what every kind, gracious mother does on the planet is held that little sucker down. It's, it's like, and then he's like, no way, no way, no way. It's like a messy day. And I said, Zion, get his head. So Zion's got his head. He's holding his head and I take the syringe and I shove it down his throat and I say, yes, way. And as that gracious, kind scene was unfolding in our non-chaotic house, the Lord spoke to me. <laughs> and what he said was, he said, you know, Danielle, you do banana medicine like you do salvation. I said, pardon me? <laughs> he said, you do medicine with your son, just like you did that. He said, that's how you do salvation. 
And I was like, well, hello, people are sick. They're dying of a disease called sin. Their own human heart will kill them unless somebody shoves it down their throat, right? Like, I mean, Catherine Booth, one of the founders of the Salvation Army, said, you know, someone had said to her, you know, stop shoving the gospel down people's throat. And she said, well, how on, else, uh, how on earth else will it get there? You know, like, how, how are people going to take medicine if we don't shove? And I was explaining myself to the Lord. And he said, yeah, 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 I know that salvation is like a remedy for your own personal inhibitions, your own personal sin, your own personal monster inside of you, your own insecurities. And, and you know, so I go around the world and I talk to young people and people all the time and I say, salvation is the cure for what ails you. It really is. I know that this poison called sin is destructive, the hatred, the fear inside of your heart. If you don't get a remedy for that, you are going to die. There's no question about it. And so salvation is, so what I do is I go around and I go, <laughs> monkeys love salvation, you should try some, you know, and then for the like really hardcore young people crowd who are like as if, I'm like, forget about the monkeys, lions, they eat the monkeys who like this stuff, you know, like it's cool to be saved, you know, we do rock shows and concerts and lights and all kinds of things, but what God reminded me of that day when I was so graciously kind to my son is that he he reminded me that actually salvation is like banana-flavored medicine for us, personally. But that actually salvation is much bigger than that. That actually there's a different image. William Booth used it in a, in a, in a song he wrote that I've, I've tattooed on my wrist. It's this, O boundless salvation, deep ocean of love, O fullness of mercy Christ brought from above, the whole world redeeming. The whole world redeeming. I mean, this plan that he has, this salvation thing, is not, it's not small enough to fit into my little tiny life. It's too big for me. I mean, it is so massive. His plan is to redeem and to set the captives free over the entire planet. You know, right now there are 27 million of them. And his plan, his redemptive plan, is to set them all free. This is the plan of salvation in the world. I mean, every single hungry kid is going to be fed. I mean, everyone who feels pressed down, every heart that's empty, every heart that's broken can be healed. This redemptive plan that God has is so much bigger than my little tiny life. It is so much larger. Do you know, when Jesus went to the disciples, he never went to the disciples and said, guys, I love your fishing boat. Could I come? I'd love to be a fisherman and I could fish with you. You could invite me home for dinner. I mean, we could just have like a good time and we could, I could join you in your life. This would be so exciting. No, he said to the disciples, I have a plan that's going to bring redemption to the whole entire earth. Want to come? They said, huh, redemption to the whole earth, eh? He said, yeah. And by the way, it might cost you a couple things like your life your reputation, the possibilities of a future. You know, it might actually cost some things. You still want in? They said, absolutely, let's get in, because they actually understood or began to understand the bigness of the plan, that God actually had a plan that was so much bigger than them. I remember uh, I, I was friends with a mentally ill drug addict. If, you, if you're not friends with a mentally ill drug addict, you should be, it's really fun. It's like reality TV all the time. Uh, it's nonstop drama. And so if you don't have enough of your own drama, that's a great place to get it. And uh, this was my friend Annie. She was mentally ill. She was drug addicted. She had Rastafarian hair and she had really wild eyes and her nails were all long because they were like dirty and unkept. And she was all like a little bit skittery, uh, probably from crack cocaine. And so she was like always a little bit wild and she used to disappear on occasions. I'd go to see her at her place and she'd be gone. And I'd say to the person at the desk, you know, where did Annie go? And they said, oh, they came and got her. So I would go find her in a psych ward. And uh, I would say, Annie, you know, like, how did you get here? And Annie would go, I don't know. They just knocked on my door. They said, do you want to ride? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and uh, you want to see the craft room, you know? And so uh, we're walking across, my friend Rob and I, were walking across the grounds of the psych ward with Annie. And Rob is this big six foot four mohawk at the time, just this guy who used to be a heroin addict and he's been completely uh, saved by Jesus and healed of diabetes. I mean, just some amazing stuff happened in his life. And we're walking with Annie across the psych ward lawn. 
And Annie looks at me and she goes, Danielle, wasn't it amazing when Rob turned into Jesus? <laughs> and I was like, oh no. I mean, I was supposed to be helping her, you know, but now she thinks Rob is Jesus. <laughs> like, and I, if you knew Rob, this is a funnier story. So, so I was like, oh, how am I going to put this to Annie? So I said, well, Annie, you know, it was amazing when Jesus came into Rob. You know, it's just incredible. Jesus, he received him into his life. And look what he's done. You know, like Rob, he looks a lot like Jesus. You know, like he acts like Jesus. He loves people like Jesus loves. But, you know, Rob isn't Jesus, you know. <laughs> Nervous laughter. And Annie looks at me like I'm in kindergarten. She goes, yeah. Yeah, but when Jesus came into Rob, didn't Rob come into Jesus? I was like, who's crazy now? Who's crazy now, right? The fact that we think that Jesus is small enough to be our personal Savior. I mean, you think about this. I mean, there's a, a worship song that says, when Jesus was dying on the cross, you know, above all else, he thought of me. <laughs> Isn't that retarded? I mean, I like the song. It's really great music. But can you, can you think about this for a second? Like, when Jesus died on the cross and gave his sacrificial life, the offering that was going to bring salvation to the ends of the earth, that was going to reverse the brokenness of the world, that was going to bring healing into things. I mean, John 3, 16, you know, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Actually, the world there is even too small. The word in Greek means the created order. It means the cosmos, that God was so in love with everything he'd created, the entire expanding universe. I mean, this massive thing that we can't even get a grip, we cannot even see the farthest star yet. I mean, that's how big the plan of God is. That's how big it is. And a worship leader would have us believe it. I mean, I think it's a nice notion because he does love you. He does plan for you. He does look at you with longing and he sees that you are at least as good looking as I thought you were, probably even more. He does look at your life and it does matter to him, but it's not everything. I mean, your life can actually fit into the smallness of just one wave of a massive ocean of redemption love that he has. Like, it's not too big for God. And what happens is in our lives, because we become so self-centered, is we think actually that Jesus is there to serve us. We think that actually Jesus is like a, a rabbit's foot that we stick in our pocket and when we're at work and we're scared, we just, Jesus, and we rub the foot and we just like, Jesus, give. and we do wanna actually experience Jesus. But can I just say that he's not that small. He's not that small that you can fit him in your pocket and fit him in a compartment in your life and just kind of fit him and include him into the smorgasbord of all the things in your life. As a matter of fact, Jesus is huge. He's the king of the universe. He is massive. His redemption plan means to actually span the entire globe. And the invitation of salvation, the invitation that God gives us to is this incredible thing where we get to lose our little lives for the bigness of the plan. I mean, it's baffling that we're invited. It's absolutely baffling to me that the Lord invites me into this. I remember I went on a mission trip to Malawi, Africa when I was newly saved, and I was saved as a juvenile delinquent, so I had some issues with authority. This is what's funny about me being called to the Salvation Army. I know, let's call her to a hierarchical organization with a lot of rules. Juvenile delinquents love that. And so I went on this mission uh, team, this interdenominational mission team, and we were, um, we were given assignments. And if you didn't do the assignment that you had to do, you got um, what was called an SB or a special blessing. And that meant you could work on your free time. <laughs> and I can say I was especially blessed all summer long. <laughs> so every day I had an SB and I collected them like they were, you know, stamps. Just like every, I just collected SBs. You could only work off one a day. I had a whole summer's worth. I never had any free time that whole entire summer. I was working the whole time. And finally, I just smelled so bad because I couldn't do my laundry because I had no free time that someone just graciously gave me the day. If I could just stay out of trouble for this one day, they're like, we'll give you your free time. But the assignment was that after a big open air that we had scheduled, you know, the skit, you had to find somebody and you had to read to them this little, you know, this, this little track, this little uh, gospel message. And uh, that was your assignment. And if you didn't do it, I, I, I would be especially blessed. And so I did it because I had to. 
And I sat down, a girl named Fatima came, and I said, look, Fatima, look, I, I'm sorry, but uh, if I don't tell you this, I'm going to get in trouble. You know, it's like the world's worst gospel presentation. Just, would you mind just putting me up with me for like uh, two minutes? I'll just read the headlines, you know, and we'll do this thing. She said, yeah, okay, fine. So she sat down, and I said, you know, God loves you, has a wonderful plan. Flip. Nuts. You sinned. Bad news for you. Flip. Oh, good news. Jesus died. Flip. You want to accept him? And Fatima said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, I, I don't think you heard it right. So I went to the beginning. And this time, instead of just reading the headlines, I read all the, the verses too, right? Because I just thought, oh, gee, this is getting a little serious, you know? Like, I don't want to get her in trouble either, you know? And so I, I was like, okay, and I read the whole thing, and I got to the end. Would you like to, to receive Jesus into your life? And Fatima said, yeah, I really would. I said, I, I don't think you got it. And I started again. And I made that poor girl sit through three presentations, bad presentations of a gospel story that she could be saved. And as a matter of fact, the third time I even read like the little footnote of what translation the Bible it was using. And I even, there's a little part that I acted out because I wasn't sure maybe there was an English issue, you know, I didn't know. And then at the end, I, I finally let that poor girl get saved. It was nice of me, I thought. <laughs> and then the next day I was reading my Bible because of course I had to. <laughs> And uh, I was reading my Bible, and I was trying to read my Bible, but actually I was, I was just crying because I had a revelation. And the revelation I had would change my life forever, and it was that, you know, I, I believed that God could save Fatima. Of course I did. Of course I believed that God could save Fatima. He saved me for Pete's sake. He can save anybody. There's no hopeless cause I've ever seen. The Lord is able to save. What I didn't know that would change my life forever is that God could use me to save Fatima. It was overwhelming to me. I mean, how incredible is that? That God could use some stumbling, bumbling, juvenile, delinquent, full of hatred and yuckiness and addiction and fear and everything that he could use, like actually would delight to use me for the purposes of something larger than my small little life. And what happened that day is that God invited me from the smallness of my little life, from a salvation with a small S that was just about what I needed and what I could get and what it would mean for me and what I could need in my life and my prayer and my desire. And he invited me into this larger place called this ocean of love. I took the medicine and I felt better. But then the Lord's like, that's not it. My salvation's larger than that. You can actually lose the smallness of your life and enter into something much bigger. There's a way for you to live where you're not at the center of your life anymore. I am. And that is the most liberating place to be. It is the most liberating place when you can get out of yourself and into the will of God. It is boundless salvation that God has for us. It is a massive ocean of redemption for the salvation of the earth. And the invitation that God gives us is for us to lose ourselves to the purposes that he has for the world. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it amazing that we have this like endless resource of heaven for us, but also not just for us, for the entire earth, and he can use us to bring that and to establish that on the earth. I mean, that is baffling to me, but it's also so incredible, isn't it? That God has gifted you, that he's given things to you, that he's resourced you so that through you, he might bring salvation to the earth. Can you believe it? I, I think he might just really enjoy it, using the most unlikely of us for his glory. Do you think so? I think he just might be like, Peter, watch this one. <laughs> watch this. This is going to be awesome. She's going to give the worst gospel presentation in the history of the world, and Fatima's going to get saved. <laughs> it's going to be cool. He's going to love it. He just loves us when we enter in this immeasurable thing that he's got planned, this thing that he wants to do. And the only requirement that he has for us is that we might lose ourselves to his purpose, that we might actually say goodbye. Now, this is really tricky in our world because the whole world tells you that your life is about you. 
As a matter of fact, every common magazine and TV show and everything that you can get in today's world will tell you that the more you make your life about you, the better you'll have it, the better your life will be, which of course we know to be nonsense if you know of anybody who makes their life all about them. It's the smallest, tiniest existence in the planet. It's narcissism. And what God invites us to is the absolute opposite of that, to actually lose those things. And in the losing of ourselves, we also lose fear. We also lose control, which is fantastic because guess what you cannot control? You cannot control an ocean. You ever been in one? They're uncontrollable. By very nature, you cannot control an ocean. I've done some triathlons in my life and I... I swim in a pool, which is fantastic because every 50 meters you can kick off. That's exciting. You can count how long you've gone. You can time yourself based on how many lengths you've done. But when I, I lived in Australia for a little while, and when I was in Australia, I signed up for a triathlon only to realize that in Australia, of course, they swim in the ocean, not in a pool. And I thought, you know, I better give this a whirl. You know, I better practice swimming in the ocean. I almost died. I mean, it's like intense, man. Like it was an intense. And that's, I just assumed the day of the race, they were going to call it off because the waves were really high. And they were like, what you, that's just normal, right? Like, like I'm going to die. And the first day I remember going into the ocean and I walked into this ocean and uh, I, just, I just started to swim, you know, but I, I didn't know where to swim or how long I was going to swim for or when I was going to be eaten by a shark. I was pretty sure it was any time, you know. <laughs> it's really good for your soul but uh, I was ready to go. But I didn't, I had no boundaries, you know, I had, had no measuring stick. I had no way to tell how long I had gone and how well I had done. And even where I was going, when I came back, I just kind of went, my heart was like, because I could feel like the sharks and stuff. And like, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I could get hit by a motorboat out here or like a kayak or something like, God only, I should probably have one of those flag thingies out of my goggle head or something. I don't know. Like this was, it was terrifying. I just remember being completely overwhelmed by it. And then uh, I came back on the shore, and there was this old guy sitting there, and he's like, oh, you're a sight for sore eyes. I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, no, really, I didn't know where you were going. Where were you going? <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. I just thought I should try swimming in the ocean. And I realized, actually, that swimming in the ocean is so different and so scary and so overwhelming because all of the ways that we measure are gone right? All of the boundaries by which we measure, are they're gone. There's no one even swimming beside you. You're just, it's just you in the ocean. It's the most overwhelming feeling. And I realized, you know, the reason we live small measured lives is because they're, they're measurable. <laughs> the reason we live that way is because we can tick off that we've done that and we've, we've done it 10 laps and we can even measure our pacing. And that, that's so often how we deal with our faith, isn't it? That's what we do, just measurable little things that we can do and we can control and we can come up with the outfit. We'll get a little wet, but not sort of all the way crazy wet. We won't use the salt water because that'll hurt our eyes. And, and on and on it goes. We measure our lives like that and we get used to it. And what God calls us to over and over and over again in the scriptures, what he calls his disciples to, what he calls his prophets to, what he calls people to is a boundless life. He always calls them outside of the bounds of what you can measure. He always calls them to the deep end, always to the deep end, to the place where you can't measure, to the place where you shouldn't be able to do this stuff, to the place where you actually have to go against your comfort and outside of your comfort zone and you have to embrace your weakness and your humility and you have to go, oh, and in that place, in that boundless place in that ocean place is this immeasurable thing called salvation is this phenomenal presence of God working in your life and that's what he wants to get to he wants to get to that but he wants to release us so that we can join him in this incredible thing called boundless salvation it's so cool it really is it's so beautiful it's so worth it when I lived in Australia, there was a, a woman there. She was a retired Baptist lady. I thought it was fitting for this church. She's a beautiful lady, just loves the Lord, and she's just been good her whole life. You know, she's just a fantastic lady, missional in her, her little community. She lived in a really lovely suburb of Melbourne, and uh, they legalized sex in Melbourne, so you had sort of friendly neighborhood brothels. And she, uh, her, the brothel in her neighborhood was just a couple digits different in phone number than her house. <laughs> so she kept getting these calls, you know, they were awkward. 
And, uh, and so she, it was really bothering her and her husband. <laughs> and so she decided, I'm going to change my number. This is too much, you know. So the day she was going to change her number, she was praying, doing her, her devotions, and the Holy Spirit interrupted her, you know, which I think is so rude <laughs> while she's trying to read her Bible, you know. That's how you know the Holy Spirit's a woman. <laughs> Always interrupting. But anyway, Holy Spirit interrupts and says, you know, what, what are you doing? She said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, why are you changing your number? She said, well, hello, keep getting calls. <laughs> Awkward. He said, maybe you should do something about it. She said, hmm, <laughs> what on earth would I do? So she calls me up. I'm, I'm at the, the Salvation Army headquarters just a block or so away, and I know her daughter really well. We do some justice stuff together. So she's, she hooked us up with this coffee. And so she's telling me the story, and she said, you know, so the Lord told me to do something about this local brothel. What should I do? And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know. What am I, like a brothel expert? I mean, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, what the heck, you know, you do a couple of speaks on justice and all of a sudden you've got the answer, you know? I'm like, I don't know what to do, but it, on the outside, I was like, hmm, interesting problem. Hmm. <laughs> so I said, well, what would, you, what would you normally do if someone was sick, you know, if someone moved into your neighborhood? What would, just, what would you just normally do? She said, oh, that's easy. I'd bake some cupcakes and I'd go take them over, introduce myself. I said, fantastic. Let's do that. She said, do what? I said, well, bake the cupcakes. I can't cook. <laughs> and we'll go over. We'll introduce ourselves. That's what we'll do. She said, that's the official strategy? I said, yes. That's the professional answer. You can trust me. You know, so Tuesday comes, and she's been baking all weekend, and we get to headquarters, and we pray together. You know, we're just like, oh, Lord. And I'm just like, oh, God, please don't let her die. You know, just... <laughs> Please don't let her die. And so we're going to visit this brothel. It's an Asian brothel. And we're walking down the street. Actually, Jan turns to me and she says, look, Danielle, the Lord spoke to me this weekend and he said, I should do this one alone. I said, what? I'm the professional. <laughs> she said, I'm the neighbor. <laughs> Got me. Neighbor always trumps professional in the kingdom, doesn't it? You read it for yourself. But anyway, so I'm like, okay, fine. You can knock on the door by yourself, but I'm totally covering you. Like, I, you are not dying on my shift. You know what I'm saying? I did not take a retired Baptist lady out here to lose you in the front line. You know, like, it's not going to happen. So I just, like, stayed with her anyway, stuck with her like glue. But I let her knock on the door by herself. But I'm on the sidewalk, and I'm just like, I'm just like, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I'm just like, God, please, you know, protect her. Boom, in prayer. I'm just, like, firing, you know, go now, Jan, knock now. You know, just like, I got it. And Jan's like, goes up, she knocks on the door of this brothel. I'll never, ever forget this. This is the funniest thing in the history of the universe. It's so funny. Well, maybe not the universe. But anyway, so she knocks on the door. She's just shaking. Like, I can see her physically shaking. She's so nervous. And this Asian manager comes to the door because, of course, she's not the normal clientele. And uh, he says, you know, can I help you? And she doesn't know what to do. You know, she's completely... She's completely nervous, so she just goes, I brought cupcakes. That <laughs> <laughs> was the opening line of the brothel invasion. And uh, forever in my mind, I can see, I could see from the sidewalk this cosmic, demonic superpower of sexual exploitation going, No, not the cupcakes. <laughs> because <laughs> the manager was like, oh, cupcakes, come on in. Just, I was like, what? what just happened there? You know, like, so she goes in half an hour later, she comes out like 10 feet off the ground, just like, and she's like, I'm at seven girls. One was from Thailand, one was from China, one was from, she's got their names and their birth dates and she's coming back next week and you know, blah, blah, blah. So then I'm just like, whoa, this worked. Wow, you know, and then I like ran back to the Salvation Army and called 10 of my Salvation Army friends and said, quick, the Baptists are gonna beat us to the brothels. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get organized. <laughs> and we did. And so does she. I get her updates every week. She goes to four or five different brothels in her area. And we started this together. You know, we started this brothel outreach thing, Cupcake Connections, believe it or not. 
in six different languages. They minister to 68 brothels across Australia in 12 cities, part of an RCM or an, a, the Australian Federal Police staying on human trafficking, rescuing victims. I mean, come on, people, with a cupcake <laughs> and a retired Baptist lady. You don't think God thinks that's funny? <laughs> what God invited Jan to late in her life, actually, was something bigger, was something larger, was something called boundless salvation, the whole world redeeming. Sure, God had blessed her life and given her a wonderful family and a beautiful home and a lovely neighborhood, and, and she had all of those blessings, which she recognized came from the Lord. God gave her even a sense of peace herself. God gave her a beautiful marriage and a loving husband and wonderful things. And this salvation message was that until God invited her to something else, something larger than her, something where her little, you know, she's had two hip replacements and she can't stop going. Do you know what I'm saying? Because God invited her. He enlarged her life and it could no longer be content to swim in a lane when she could swim in the ocean. It just changed everything for her. This immeasurable source of God's unlimited resources pouring into her life, giving her day after day and week after week energy and power and stories and, and just adventure in this life of wide open space and living. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it beautiful, the invitation that God has for us? And we settle for so little tiny portions of God's love when he has an inexhaustible store, tiny portions of forgiveness, just enough for me, but not enough for the people who harmed me. No, no, there's not enough for that. There is enough for that. There's enough to not only receive it for yourself, but there's enough to give it away. There's enough to give it away and then give it away and then give it away. It's an inexhaustible resource that God wants to use in you to change the world. I don't know why we make God so small. I don't know why we settle for a tiny little Jesus. He's big. He's huge. His resources are unlimited, inexhaustible as a matter of fact. So some of you are here tonight and you're tired and it's, life is hard and chaotic and difficult just three children are enough to do me in on most days. But he's, he's got what you need. And more than that, as you tap into what you need, he's got something he wants to do in you that will unlock something for somebody else and for whole people groups. I mean, things that he wants to do that you could not even have ever dreamed or even imagined or even made up just for fun. I mean, that's how crazy he is. He is inexhaustible in his creative ability to use you to change the earth. Catherine Booth used to tuck her kids in at night. She used to tuck them in, give them a kiss, and say, you were born to change the world. And it's true. You were too. You were born to change the world. God invites you into this boundless thing, this salvation thing, not just for you, but for the whole world. It's that big. It's that meaningful. And you get to be a part of that. That's the invitation. Not receive them into your life. Leave your life. Come into him. Be saved in every way you can be saved for the redemption of the entire earth. So we're going to pray. We're going to ask Jesus to enlarge our capacity. <laughs> I remember being picked up by a, a friend of mine who used to be a drug addict, and she was tiny, just like bones, because heroin had just robbed her of any fat. <laughs> and she came a couple years later, she got gloriously saved and delivered by Jesus. And she came to pick me up from the airport when I was visiting her city. And when she got into, I got into her car, she said, oh, Danielle, it's terrible. I said, what's terrible? She goes, well, ever since I, I met Jesus, I, I've just gotten fatter and fatter. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it's awesome. The Lord's increasing the boundaries of your tent, right? Even literally fattening us up on his glory. I mean, 
Let's write books about fat people who change the world and stop obsessing over skinniness and enjoy the stuff that God wants to do in us, getting over ourselves and moving on to the whole world. Are you ready for that? So some of you have come and you thought that salvation would be shoved down your throat. Well, I've tried that before. It's not that simple. You do need it. I can tell you that. There's no one who can save you but Jesus. There's no other place to go for peace or love or freedom, forgiveness, healing. It all comes from Jesus. There's no other source under heaven. You can give it a go, spend a lot of money, watch a lot of TV. You'll come to the same conclusion eventually. But what I'd actually like to invite you to do is not receive Jesus. What I think God wants to do tonight is receive you. Receive all of you. Wash you. Clean you. Free you. Heal you. I think the question isn't, do you want to receive Jesus? I think the question is, do you want to be received? Do you want to be held? Do you want to be saved? <laughs> and if that's you, then we're going to invite you to come and swim in an ocean of love big enough to cover everything you need. And there's some of you here who've been swimming in a lane pool for a long time. And you've been measuring and ticking off all the right things. You've been doing this Christian thing. You read your Bible for 21 minutes every day. Every year, a different version, a Bible in a year, you know. All the right things. And the Lord actually tonight just wants to bust your life open a bit more. He just wants to invite you. And I don't know what that's going to look like. It's going to be different for every single person. It's not meant to condemn you for doing good things. It's just meant to say, don't limit God. Don't say, it's too late. I've done my bit. I'm tired now. There's an inexhaustible resource. God wants to invite you into to living a larger life, a life that rotates around a lot more than just what you do now. And God wants to invite you to lose some control. That might involve your own healing. It might involve your own ability to let go and to let God do what he needs to do inside of you. So we want there to be freedom to do that. Is that okay? I figure if we can be free to knock on brothel doors, we can be free to pray with each other, right? We can actually be free as the people of God to just celebrate him and love him and listen to what he's saying to us. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just really love you. We love what you're doing. We love what you want to do. We love how every time we think we've got you down, you're bigger than that again. You just want to bust open all our images of who you are. You just want to bust open the places we restrict you. And we just say, no, you can't, or no, you won't, or not for me, or not tonight. We just say yes to you and yes tonight. In Jesus' name, we're just asking, God, that you would amaze us again, that you would open our eyes to the unlimited possibilities, to the salvation that you call us to, that we would really lose ourselves tonight, that lose our insecurities, lose our fear right now. We're just tired of bowing to control and fear. And in Jesus' name, we just say yes to you and what you want to do in our lives and what you want to do in us and through us for the salvation of the earth. We just want to ask God, do it in your way. Come right now. So we're just asking, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now and you would speak to our minds, even though this is beyond our understanding, your scripture says, that your spirit right now would explain to us things that we cannot even possibly know without your help. The largeness of your plan. Your invitation to us to jump in. And we just confess to you right now that we're scary. We're scary. And we hear you speaking to us. Don't be afraid. It's me. I got you. I got you. Look at me. I'm right here.
just as you're praying, you know, I just I have this beautiful sense that the Lord's calling some people to salvation. Just to, to give their lives to Jesus. They're everything. Just jump in. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. that's you I'm just as everyone's bowed their heads or whatever I'm just going to ask you to stand up where you are you've got that thing inside you your heart's beating a million miles a minute the Holy Spirit's like that's you <laughs> that's you Anyone else for salvation? Just, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just stand right where you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your revelation, for your presence, for your love, for your salvation. God, receive these women with your boundless love. Wash over them. Sweep them out into deep places of beauty and truth and fullness and grace and hope and mercy. There are others here who just feel like you've been swimming in a lane for a long time and you're just like longing to bust out and jump in. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to stand to take God's invitation to a reckless life. If you're comfortable just to put your arms out in front of you, I just, I think opening your hands to let go, I just feel like the Lord wants to release you from control, you know, in this incredible capacity to control even our salvation. And I just, I pray God right now for every woman who's standing right now, just that you would release them in Jesus' name from the need to measure and compare and contrast and to control and to just do this faith thing like it's an exercise. I just pray that you would abandon them, that you would literally invite them into a reckless faith, that you would widen their capacity even to dream and to think about all that you want to do in them and through them for the salvation of the earth, God. Would you increase their capacity beyond their understanding even to dream and to vision your kingdom coming? Your kingdom coming right now as it is in heaven, on the earth, through them. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just enlarge them. Right now, enlarge them in Jesus' name. The bigness that you would consume them. Take the offering of their lives. Use it for your glory. You can just stay standing where you are. I just I feel like the Lord is with us. And um, there's some people here who've uh, used all your resources. And the Lord wants to fill you back up. He's got an unlimited amount. I, I particularly feel like there's somebody that really struggles with bitterness and unforgiveness. 
I keep getting that over and over again, that there's somebody who's kind of embittered and the Lord needs to just fill you again with mercy, you know, and forgiveness, just to remind you that you are unlimited in your capacity to forgive. And so um, if that's you, if you need a fill up, you know, you need the Holy Spirit just to pour into you tonight, just a, a little tiny portion of his unlimited resources so that you can leak it all over your community and your family. If that's you, just I invite you to stand up where you are. We're going to pray for you. Yeah, thank you, Lord. We just pray that out of your glorious, unlimited resources, you might strengthen us in our inner spirit. The band's going to come and they're going to play and we're going to have some freedom while they play just to keep seeking the Lord. But I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Jesus will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him as you, and your roots will grow down into God's love and they will keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it's too great to understand fully then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within you right now, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Glory to him in the church, in you, in your community, in your family. Glory to him at your work, in your relationships, and through all generations, forever and ever and ever and ever. I'm going to invite everybody to stand up, and let's worship together. And I want to invite you just to respond. If you want to come, there's a prayer team that can pray for you, and I uh, would love to do that. So if that's uh, you want to receive personal prayer, you're more than welcome to do that as we worship.